Probably the best cooking tip I ever learned that changed the way I cook was, when in doubt, add a little more salt. <laughs> it was a few years back, and I don't remember if it was in a cookbook or a cooking video. What I remember was the idea is that home cooks tend to undersalt things. We often tend to think of salt as a kind of condiment to be added at the end. But you can also think of salt as an ingredient to get added throughout to help build up flavors in different steps along the way. And it gives you a richer and more interesting meal. Now, of course, that's within reason. There's such a thing as too much salt, both for taste and for our health. We've all had the experience of biting into something that was just too salty, where the salt overwhelms and dominates. But in the right proportion, what salt does isn't so much to make things salty as to bring out their own natural flavors. You might say that salt makes everything else more itself, more vibrant, more alive. Today, Jesus tells his disciples, which is to say he tells us, that we are salt. And he tells us also that we are light. And just as salt doesn't do well when it dominates, but when it brings vibrancy to other things. Light is a little like that too. We need light to see by. But what we look at mostly isn't the light, but the things it illuminates. Nobody wants to gaze straight into the sun or into a bright light bulb. And nobody goes to a museum or an art gallery to admire the lighting. Good lighting doesn't draw attention to itself. It just makes it possible to see and appreciate the art we came there for. I think these images of salt and light have a lot to say to us about our role as followers of Jesus in the world. And that that role isn't about separation from the world, <coughs> and it's not about domination of the world. There are some forms of Christianity that think that the role of Christians is to come apart in separation. That Christians should turn away from the corrupting influences of a dangerous secular society and instead form a kind of alternate culture, a pure enclave free of temptation, a Christian culture. But Jesus today says that the calling of a light isn't to be hidden under a bushel basket, but to shine on a stand into the world. And along those same lines, we might say that the calling of salt isn't to stay pure in its salt shaker on the shelf, where it won't get mixed up with any contaminating foods. Well, the purpose of salt is right to get mixed up into the food, to make the food come alive. So separatism is not our path as followers of Jesus in the world. 
But there are also some forms of Christianity that think that the role of Christians isn't to come apart from the world, but to take it over. And some of those strands are too prominent in our world today. A week or two ago, I got a spam email from someone with pastor in the subject line whose purpose was to try to get me to buy a baseball cap from his Christian-owned brand. (coughs) And the email caught my eye because it made it very clear that the goal of this spammer wasn't just to sell baseball caps. We will expand this brand, he said, into every area of clothing and apparel. And if the Lord blesses us monetarily, we will work to take over every segment of the economic market. It was an ambitious goal. But the email went on to talk about how the existing companies in the United States economy are hopelessly secular, and how Christians should band together with their dollars to create a Christian economy, so that the most prominent companies in the economy would be using their dollars to lobby against things like abortion and same-sex marriage. Now this is just one spammer whose business plan, I believe, is too ambitious to succeed. But he represents a point of view that's increasingly prominent and I believe dangerous in our culture. We hear Christian leaders spreading the myth that the United States was founded as a Christian nation instead of a nation with freedom of religious practice for all religions and freedom from any one established religion. Which for anyone who knows the history of religious wars in Europe and elsewhere is a blessing that Christians should be holding on to. And we see Christians trying to enshrine Christian symbols on public property or restrictive teachings on sex and gender that they believe are the true Christian teachings in public school curricula or in legislation on public bathrooms. But I never heard Jesus to tell his disciples to go out and seek special privileges as Christians from the state. Rather, last week in the Beatitudes, I heard him tell us, blessed are the meek and blessed are the poor in spirit. I've heard him tell us that if anyone forces you to go a mile, go the second, and if anyone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other. And this week he tells us that our role is to be salt and light in the world. And so as followers of Jesus, we do have a role in the life of our society. And it's not to withdraw from that society like salt that stays on the shelf, but it is also not to dominate it like a quart of salt dumped over a plate of food. It's to bless the world in such a way that we make it a better place, that we make it more fully itself. For a number of years, I've been a trainer in a training program for clergy and lay leaders in the Episcopal Church called the College for Congregational Development. And one of the models that we teach participants in that program is about the core purpose of a congregation. In other words, why do we have congregations? What is a parish church for? The name of the model is Gather, Transform, Send. These are the three parts of the model. 
And the model suggests that this is what congregations are for. To gather the people that God is calling together into this household of faith. To serve as a place of transformation, where we're changed. Where our participation in this congregation grows us and deepens us into the image of Jesus. And then to send. To send these same people into the world. Into our context, into our city, our county, our culture, our society. As salt and light in the world. Now this gather, transform, send isn't a one-time thing, but a rhythm that happens week by week every time we come to Eucharist together and are gathered and transformed and set out. And it happens year by year and during all the rhythms and seasons of our lives. Each week at the end of the Eucharist, we pray in some form of words that God will send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you. And in this gather, transform, send model, the sending part has four main areas of our lives that we talk about being sent into. The first is our life with family and friends. And I think we often tend to neglect this part of our Christian sending. But the fact is that our life in Christian community should transform who we are in ways that make a difference to how we are as friends and as family members with the people with whom we spend a huge proportion of our lives. Now, friends and family is a flexible definition. For some, it might mean the household of people they live with. For others who might live alone, it might mean intimate friendships or chosen family. But whatever the relationships are that are most meaningful and most prominent in your life, our life in church together, the life we live in Christ in this congregation should be equipping us to be more faithful and loving friends and partners and children and parents and siblings. Our ability to navigate closeness and conflict with integrity, to make mistakes, to forgive and be forgiven, to love and accept love. And so we're sent into our lives as family members and as friends. Now the second area that this model talks about is work. And again, this is a flexible category that can mean different things for different people. For some, it may be paid work or a career. For others, it may mean the work of tending a household or caring for others. It might mean volunteer work. But all of us, in some way, offer our efforts, offer our labors and the gifts and skills that God has given us in some way in the world. And our work as a congregation, our life as a congregation, should help strengthen each of us to be salt and light in our work, in our vocational lives. Now, the third area this model says that we're sent into is our society and civic life. And sometimes I think we tend to focus on this area to the exclusion of the others. But it's also true that social witness is a core part of who we are as Christians. We're sent into our world to bless it, and that affects how we use our dollars, 
I would say not to buy Christian ball caps. But there are other ways that our dollars, our giving and our spending, can help to bring about a world that is shaped a little more by God's reign. It impacts how we use our votes. And here again, I do not believe that we are called to vote for candidates in political office because they are Christian. But indeed, because they are people whose character and abilities qualify them to lead effectively, and who support policies that we are convinced will go some measure of the way towards a world that is better capable of supporting the flourishing of all. Our dollars, our votes, where we put our bodies, meetings and gatherings that we show up at, our marching feet, our time, the causes we struggle for. We are sent into society and civic life. And then the fourth area and last area in this model that we're sent into is our church life. And although it's kind of funny to think of being sent from church into church, the reality is that many of us at some point in our Christian journey are called to serve as a leader or a volunteer in some ministry. And all of us are called to take up our role in the governance and the discernment and the common life of the church. We did that last week at our annual parish meeting. And so it's the fourth because we don't want to ever make the mistake of thinking that church ministry is the sum total of what we are called to do as baptized Christians in the world. How easy it is to think, are you exercising your ministry as a baptized Christian? Have you signed up for a church ministry group? Our ministry extends so far beyond that. Our life with family and friends, our work, as members of a society, but yes, also into the church to help this weird little group, God's quirky group of salt crystals, become more the salt shaker that it is called to be. At our vestry retreat later this month, we'll be working with this model to continue to think together about how incarnation can grow more and more into a place that gathers us, transforms us, and sends us. This week, as you're sent forth from this liturgy, I pray that you will know yourself as salt and as light. That you will go out into your life with friends and family, with work, in society and civic life, and yes, into the church. And go forth knowing that you are fully empowered as a representative and an agent and as the very living presence of Jesus. Not to withdraw from the world and not to dominate it, but to bless it.